hello hello and welcome back to spiraling in suburbia today i'm live from my car and i've actually done this a few times in the past and when i'm recording i just forget to mention it but i'm in my car today because sometimes when i'm home if there's if my boyfriend's home especially our space is pretty small so i can't really i don't have enough privacy to record these episodes and like feel confident about it because if someone's listening to me I'm just like I feel self-conscious so I'm in my car and I had to run errands anyway I'm parked at a lovely parking lot next to Petco because I have to get my dog more dog food and you know that's just a day in the life so that is why we're here in my car but enough of that today we're talking about mountains and specifically Mount Everest So why are we talking about Mount Everest, you ask? Well, that's because I firmly believe that Mount Everest is now commercialized, and I think some of my research um, contradicts that, but let me just share my opinions here. So I feel like being adventurous isn't as interesting as it used to be. It seems like nowadays everyone goes skydiving, cliff jumping, can break world records, and so on. Everyone loves the thrill and challenge which is honestly very impressive as a society but there was a time when it was rare to say you climb mountains let alone the tallest mountain in the entire world and I'm not saying that one in every 10 people can climb Mount Everest but what I'm saying is the resources we have now and especially social media it makes you feel like you can do anything which is amazing and very empowering but For example, when the New York City Marathon was happening early this fall, so like a few months ago, I was like, I could do that. I could run a marathon. And keep in mind, I can barely run. I made it a goal to run 5Ks and I've only done one so far because I like hurt myself after. My ankle hurt, my knee hurt. So my body is just not made to do those things. So basically when I was so fascinated with Mount Everest, I was like, I could climb that. Like, no, no, I can't. And I'm not even, like, putting myself down. I just don't think my body is physically equipped to do that. And mentally, like, I would pass out from that height and I'd be so terrified. So what I'm saying is it's so impressive still, don't get me wrong, but I think there's sometimes traffic jams up on the summit and that's kind of what I want to get into is, like, how so many people can climb and will climb this and the fact it's not just, like, one person, two people on the mountain. It's like literally a traffic jam up to the summit. So that's kind of what we're going to be talking about and unraveling here. So to backtrack slightly, today's episode is inspired by two documentaries called 14 Peaks and Aftershock, both having Mount Everest in common. And just to give a quick synopsis of these movies, 14 Peaks consists of a fearless Nepali mountaineer. Um, I don't know how to say his name, but I'm going to give it a shot. Actually, we're just going to say his last name, Mr. Persia. I think his it's P-U-R-J-A. He has so many followers on Instagram. He's kind of an influencer of the mountaineer world, if you will. And basically, he set out to make it a goal to summit 14 of the world's 8,000 meter peaks in just seven months. And I think in the documentary, it says something like the only person that has done this before. It took them years and years to do, but he set out to do it in only seven months. And keep in mind, like your body also has to adjust to the oxygen levels. You have to have time to recover. Like this just, this isn't just a jog, a walk in the park. Like the fact he did this in seven months is outstanding. 
So I highly recommend that documentary. It's very inspiring. And then the second one is called Aftershock. This one is definitely more serious and heartbreaking, honestly. And this documentary goes through the deadly 2015 earthquake in Nepal that had an effect on Mount Everest as well. And that one really made me realize, like, obviously this is so dangerous, but there's a lot of outside factors that could affect people climbing. Like, the people at base camp... An earthquake isn't just an earthquake. There's going to be avalanches. There's going to be people falling. There's going to be deaths. Like, there's a lot that goes into it. And a lot of people lost their lives, especially in the city. So, it just shows kind of, like, the real footage and perspective of survivors that experienced that 2015 earthquake. Like I said, they both involved Mount Everest. And at the end of the day, they were both very, very inspiring. Even Aftershock, although it's... It's very sad and heartbreaking, like I said. It showed how their city came together and rescued anyone they could. It showed how people persevered up the mountain, down the mountain, and, like, did everything they could to survive. And what I got mostly from these films is how densely populated these mountains have become. And not to say if the mountain wasn't densely populated during this earthquake, things would have been better. Like, the city really took the biggest hit, but it had large effects on the mountain. And you just see how densely populated the mountains can be, considering its altitude and death rate. It's just wild that so many people attempt this summit at once. The question we're trying to answer here is how did Everest go from a rare accomplishment to slightly commercialized? And like I said, I know not everyone, like if I had a group of 100 strangers in a room, I doubt one of them have reached the summit, but probably a lot of them enjoy hiking, enjoy smaller mountains, um, things like that. And there are a lot of death rates still. There's mountains in New Hampshire that a few weeks ago, like the wind and temperatures were extremely deadly, like not everything is easy peasy, but what I'm saying is Mount Everest costs so much money, so much training, and some people I don't even think go through the training. In one of the documentaries, I think a girl was like, yeah, I'm going to climb it, and I'm sure like she had somewhat of some preparation for this, but there are people that can help you up the mountain, which we'll get to in a little bit. To fully understand its evolution, let's go back to the first people who reached Everest Summit. Their names were Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay. In 1953, they reached the summit of Everest and were the first two people to ever do this. Tenzing was actually a Sherpa and to go into what Sherpas actually are. So modern day summiteers wouldn't really succeed without Sherpas and a Sherpa is someone who essentially is a mountain guide. They have valuable experience in mountain climbing, which they can provide and help other climbers. Basically, most climbs of Everest would be nearly impossible without Sherpa's help. They just live at high altitudes year-round, so they're accustomed to the low oxygen levels and are also just basically pros at climbing these mountains. So that is a big factor in how it's become so commercialized. Think of it as like a tour guide. I think you can book it online. I'm sure there's more that goes into it, but like there's groups of people who go up at once you don't just go up usually with like one climber and one sherpa i think it's usually a big group of people and it's like signing up for i don't know a club you're like yes like this is my team we're gonna go up to mount everest now that we've covered the first people to climb it so so just to backtrack 1953 was not that long ago 
Everest and the world of climbing has really evolved over time and honestly Everest climbing industry has become very controversial as popularity of the climbs have increased there's been more traffic jams which I've said on and off in this episode and honestly it's everywhere over the internet you'll you if you look up pictures you can see memes of people being like what is this like it's literally a line that you wait to get up to the summit and I think just to backtrack we need to give a lot of credit to Sherpas because not only do they help people up the mountain their traditions have slightly become exploited and they're faced with like a much higher death rate in any other field of employment which is kind of obvious because of the risks going up and down the mountain as your job and it basically pays little to nothing. I think we need to give Sherpas credit where credit is due. Not only have they been slightly exploited due to the popularity of now climbing Mount Everest and mountains in general but their death rate has gone up significantly because this is their job for a very small amount of pay and not to mention it's a little disturbing for that to be your job because many climbers have died along the way and it's hard to retrieve their bodies so people just they they're left there and they have to pass the dead bodies on their way up and down which is not very humane but at the same time it's also a risk to retrieve the body safely Like I said, there was a few things during my research that I was a little bit surprised about, such as the fact that only 7,000 people have reached the summit of Everest since 1953, and that number could be off, that's just the common number I saw during my research, but definitely during these documentaries, like I said, those traffic jams and things like that, the line of people waiting to get up, it it makes you feel like it's a lot more than 7,000 people, but at the same time... I think that takes into account the people that didn't make it up and the people who actually reached the summit because if you think about it, like some groups of people, they might only let one person actually be at the summit, the actual tallest peak, where some people are just there and almost get to the top. So maybe that's like a legitimate statistic of who actually reaches the tippity tippity top, but I I don't know. So now that we've covered... The first time the peak was reached, the Sherpas, who we love dearly, the amount of people who have reached the peak, how much does it cost to do this? Even if it's your life dream to reach the summit and climb any summit that is just known to be extremely tall, it's not a low cost whatsoever. So from my findings, climbing Mount Everest can range from 28,000 to 120,000 and that was based on statistics from 2017 and people think the prices will continue to go up and with that being said in 2022 it could range up to $160,000 but it really ranges and I think it might depend on the time of year, the people you go up with, the Sherpas and the equipment and things like that because there's multiple base camps on there and I think there's opportunity to actually I think you have to take a helicopter up to like the first base camp. I don't think you can actually climb from the bottom. That might have been said in one of the documentaries so don't take my word for that but that's a possible assumption and it's so expensive because it depends on the type of gear travel permits insurance and all of that stuff now even if you can afford to climb mount everest which honestly i wish i could afford it i wish i had the training because i'd love to do that but i'd also pass out of um 
being actually deathly afraid of everything that goes into it, but I wanted to look into a little bit more on the deaths and summits. So I wanted to look into a little bit more of the actual numbers going into this. So roughly 300 people have died while attempting to climb Mount Everest, and out of that, 200 bodies are left on the mountain. And then to backtrack how I said I thought that the 7,000 people summiting seems very low, technically one person could have multiple summits. So, which makes a lot of sense. If you can climb it, like, why not climb it all the time if you have the means to? So, based on climbernews.com, there's been roughly 11,000 successful summits of Everest, and out of that, it's been roughly 7,000 people. So, that makes a little bit more sense, and even though that's not even 1% of the population, I think when you see documentaries, when you see things like that, since it's not there's not paths, there's not stairs and all that stuff. Like, it seems more dense than you'd think. And people that are on the base camps, which I think there's about two base camps and there could be more smaller ones or sections that are safe to lay down your gear and um, camp. But some people stay at those base camps for a while until they feel like the conditions are appropriate to go up, which solidifies the fact that there's traffic jams because when people think it's good to go up to reach the summit everyone wants to go at once and some people don't feel the same but regardless you don't have to do it in a day's time like I think you can stay at this base camp or camps in general for a while until you feel the conditions are appropriate and I don't remember if I said it earlier but there's also different times of the year or seasons that you can go up so if the weather is not permitting you can't go up and that's why it can be so populated at once and everyone wants to reach it because they're like hey it's the time let's go now so it all makes sense after this research and I think it's still amazing that people want to climb it can climb it have the means to but it is wild that it went from being a rare accomplishment and it still is very very rare And just seeing the documentaries and how many people are up there at once blows my mind, but it makes it, it makes me very happy to hear it's not as many people as I thought. I was nervous it was going to be like, I don't know, like 50,000 people have climbed it, a million people, but it makes sense. And I think it's an amazing accomplishment that I can barely even wrap my head around, nor could I ever do. I can barely even do like a hike at a sea level altitude, so I props to anyone who does that and you know is that my new goal I want to climb Mount Everest should I start my training and just like suffer through the injuries I don't know overall I think this episode went in a different direction that I originally thought which makes me very happy I have so much respect for this profession for the Sherpas for the people who can do this and continue to And I'm glad it's a lower number than I originally anticipated because it is still rare. And it's just an amazing accomplishment. So cheers to Mount Everest. And maybe after this, even though it's raining, I'll go climb a little hill in honor because um, I don't have a mountain near me, nor do I want to climb a mountain right now. But that is it for today's episode. I hope you all enjoyed. I think this one was really me spiraling um but like I said please check out those two documentaries they're both on Netflix 
and they're just very inspiring and eye-opening to a different way of life. And like I said, that is it for today. I will talk to you all next week. Thank you.